This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Kelly and Ramia on AMI. Remember that we're also available on podcasts and. Oh, was it a couple weeks ago that I asked Kelly about his favorite holiday cookie? Um, I have Ooh. been very, very excited to make my one batch of cookies of the year, Kels. The one and only though. batch? Why is yeah. it one? Does it just take that much? They that expensive? Oh, God, I, I do What's not bake because baking takes way too long, way too much effort cleaning up afterwards. And the stuff is good, but it's gone. Flour. Like, That's what you get yeah. annoyed because oh. just you I feel don't even forever, wait for right? cookies to cool down. You know this, right? Like no, 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 no. That, so my, that would have been sacrilegious with my family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, I had the mother that would cut the squ- the corners out of the brownies. Oh yeah, because they're crispy. Like oh, I loved it. Yeah. I loved so the you, corners. So you just let it cool for a bit, then I'll ice it. I'll call you, and by the time you go, oh man, it's still <laughs> warm, and then you go look. Hey, where'd the corners warm go? Warm brownies are the best, though. Oh yes. Cooling down oh, brownies yeah. is not okay. Got to eat them while they're scorching. Anyway. Cookies, I'm kind of funny. I like them But I got all hot. the stuff. I'm going to be doing it this weekend. On so, Monday, so what, you... So what, what are these, first of all? What kind? I uh, like the chocolate oh, chip, idea. maybe some nuts. It's a, a, kind of like a kitchen cookie, but marshmallows okay. for sure, because I like how they candy a on top. cookie, I love that. <laughs> and I like the idea of them hot, but then again, I'd probably eat the dough from that. Yeah. Uh, the dough from that. Also, they're giant. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome in Fern Lullum from the UK for our bi-weekly check-in. What's on your mind? I'm Fern Lullum from the UK, and whether serious, silly, or somewhere in between, I've got you covered. Let's face it, the most effective therapy is a chat with your bestie. Well, Fern, welcome back to the program, and today we're going to be talking about defensiveness. Well, at least, Fern, that's what you told me, so I hope that's correct. Uh Uh-oh. Well, that's that's just what I thought you wanted to hear, Kelly. You know, I'm I'm only trying to give you what you want. So uh, I have as to say, it's the way it should be. Okay, go on. Of course, uh, as always, I I have to say I did almost get a little bit defensive when Ramya just asked me if I've been baking because I I thought I had like chocolate around my face or something like that. I was like, why? <laughs> oh no! Am I? Do I, I look up like on that? <laughs> do I look like it? Am I covered in flour? <laughs> exactly. So I can't just casually ask if you've been baking anymore. Oh no. <laughs> exactly. And so this is the thing, Romy, you've got to be careful because us <laughs> insecure people, we can get defensive. So um, what a perfect lead in, though, to the topic today. Yes, we are talking about defensiveness. This is something that I think we all experience from time to time, or we can recognize it either in ourselves or in someone close to us. So I thought, let's be brave and let's delve into this topic a little bit mm-hmm. further. Well, you'd probably have more on you in, you know, flour and stuff for baking fern. Anyway, if you were making something, the one dozen a year cookies this woman makes. Um, Firstly. It's six giant cookies. Okay, go on. (laughs) That's right. I like them big, but I'm not going to do more than a dozen. So I just do six. (laughs) Firstly, what does defensiveness typically look like in an argumentative situation? So we're kind of all on the same page. 
Yes. So defensiveness, basically, you can kind of think of it almost as like your emotional shield, you know, so you're protecting yourself. You very often, if you're being defensive in an argument, you're not accepting any responsibility. You're deflecting that blame onto someone else. So anything that you perceive as criticism, even though it might not be criticism or it might be, you will just say, but what about you did that the other way? You know, you will take that spotlight off of you and put it firmly back onto somebody else and so what this does in a in an argument is that it creates a situation where you're kind of working against each other instead of working constructively together as we would hope in a healthy communication yep yep and it happens quicker than we realize uh when people are on their defenses and if you don't know what you're to look for to understand then you're just everybody's fueling that same fire right what are the psychological factors that contribute to defensive behavior from us? Well, yeah, there are lots of things that we can be predisposed to when it comes to defensiveness. So as always, a lot of the time I talk about this, it's things from our past, right? We've had a bad experience in the past. Quite often, our defensiveness comes from this fear of criticism. So we we react this way because we have learned at some point that criticism is dangerous. Criticism isn't just a criticism of a certain thing that we might have done slightly wrong, which is absolutely fine because we all do things wrong all the time. Criticism, we believe, means we are bad. We are bad people. There is no coming back from this, you know, Mm. and so that's what makes us so nervous and we can't handle that. Sometimes we can have bad experiences in our past where our feelings have been completely invalid validated or ignored you know other people may have been defensive towards us and so we've interpreted that as our issue instead of their issue and gone oh well there must be something wrong with me then and like I mentioned earlier insecurity this is a big thing that leads to defensiveness because of course if we don't feel good about ourselves then very often we can hear any kind of you know slight thing that might sound like a criticism as somebody hates us and they think really badly of us and we kind of project our inner feelings out onto everyone else around us. It's amazing how far it goes, you know, yeah. whether you think someone else is deep. scapegoating or whatever, you you just may come after them. Like, what the heck, whether someone isn't or or, or truly yeah. is, and a lot of times that stuff comes from that. Um, so are there any specific communication patterns that can offer trigger defensiveness in someone? Yeah, so this would be, and and like you said there, you know, it so easily happens in an argument where you might have like just an accusatory tone. You mm. and especially when things get heated, we start interrupting each other. We start talking over each other. We don't want to hear the other person's side of the story. We're not interested in that. We come to this discussion or argument or debate or whatever you want to call it mm. with this idea of how we see the situation. And we're not going to change our idea because we are right. We are right and they are wrong. And we are not going to even listen. We're not going to entertain the idea that we might be wrong in some way. And a lot of things play into this. One of them is confirmation bias. So if you have a, a belief about yourself or about the world, you will look for everything that confirms that belief. So like I just mentioned, if you have the belief everyone thinks I'm an idiot, for example, then as soon as you hear something that you think, ah, that confirms it, they do all think I'm an idiot, you're going to jump on that as quick as you like and you're going to become very defensive. My goodness, this is so Fern relatable. Fern was on our pre-show meeting. When I did that happen? I was going to say, 
<laughs> She's been on some well, of my I was listening in, you know. <laughs> on some of my family meetings family as well. Chats. <laughs> <laughs> I know what goes on. It is so true and so relatable, Fran. Like everything you're saying, we can all relate to in some way or another. Can you share, like now that we know what it could look like, what exactly it is, defensiveness, can you share some strategies for managing defensiveness in ourselves during an argument? Yeah, so we just need to kind of take a step back. I think one of the things that happens in arguments is that things go very quick. So like I say, we're talking over each other, we're interrupting each other, you say something and I don't like it. And so I say something even meaner back to you. So we need to slow down, we need to take a deep breath, we need to try and be patient and stay calm. And if that means we need to take a break, and we just need to step out for a few minutes, that is better than continuing that argument and just making it worse and worse and worse. Another really good thing I think we can do from our perspective is we can try and think about the situation from the other person's point of view. Now, obviously, this is advice that, you know, lots of people have said for a long time. Mm -hmm. But if we mm -hmm. really kind of think, if I was in the other person's place, what would I be saying right now? So if I could argue on their behalf rather than on my behalf, what would I be saying? Because that helps us because oh. it really deepens our understanding then of how they're feeling and that side of it, you know, the side of it that isn't our side of it. So that can be really helpful. And the last thing I'll say is focus on solutions. The best way to stop just going round and round, because you know what it gets like in arguments, you're just saying the same things over and That's over it. again. It doesn't matter, okay? The content probably doesn't matter and what you both want is just to be you know happy and, and, and like heard. each other again yeah so mm. what's the solution how can you improve things for the future or how can you resolve this argument right now so that you can just get on with your lives and everyone can go away happy I love what you yeah. said about arguing on behalf of that that other person, like if you were yes. on their side, because going back to what you originally said, which is we are against each other, this is an argument mm -hmm. where I'm on my side and you're on your side, it really is a step forward to just think, okay, if I was on their side, could I understand? Where are they yes. coming from? Mm. And, and that step away, Fern, that is the one thing that so many of us have issue with because it's like you're backing down and you're not you're taking that breath but we oh, nobody wants ego. to be the loser so, no 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 yeah. i'm not the one who has to go take a break you go take a break now you for you second <laughs> yeah um, right well exactly and this is the thing we don't want to see it as a winner or a loser you're on the same no, team no. that's what we need to yeah. keep in mind here so fern how does defensiveness impact the overall dynamics of that conversation well you know we've all been there when you get defensive immediately the atmosphere becomes very hostile. You're no longer having a conversation. You're kind of just going at it with each other. You're going to war, if you like, with each other, having a battle. And that's why I said kind of it's like a shield. Um, and it, what that causes is for you not to be able to work constructively together to come to a solution, but instead it causes lots of hurt feelings, lots of misunderstandings, um, you know, damaged relationships, and just a real failure to be able to compromise or to find any common ground, because there is some there, but you just need, that's why it's so important to take that step back and to take that breath, because what you want to do is actually find the solution, the compromise or the, or the thing that you can agree on, because there will be something if you just take that moment to be able to look and be calm and find the, the thing that you can actually both agree mm -hmm. on. And you have to want that as well, right? Like if you don't consciously want to find that common ground, then it is still going to be a rough situation. 
Yeah, which is hard when you're in an argument because mm-hmm. all you want to do is be right quite a lot of the time. Exactly, exactly. I, I saw this thing and it was like, do you want to be right or do you want to be connected? And and that's kind mm-hmm. of a, a very interesting way of like perspective. Um, could having a disability make us more defensive, more likely to be defensive? Yes, absolutely. Ah, well, <laughs> the million-dollar question. Oh, I'm glad you answered it for me. <laughs> I was just going to say, Fern, just collect your money at the door now. We're done, you know. <laughs> The confirmation yeah, but, is there. Um, but seriously, right? <laughs> of course it does. Um, I would say, not necessarily, of course, we, you know, I always put this disclaimer out, you can't say everyone will be the same, you know, everyone with a disability is True. going to be defensive. But I would say that we do have some things that could give us the tendency to possibly more be more defensive because quite a lot of the time, you know, there is societal misunderstandings, misconceptions, stereotypes. We are often discriminated against and quite often we can feel like less than. So that really kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier about insecurity. It's easy for us, if if you're always made to feel like you are not as good as everyone else, it's easy to then, as soon as you hear something that sounds like you are not as good as me, to jump on that and to kind of get very defensive around it. And the last thing I think is that just, especially for, you know, if you're blind or visually impaired or with any other disability, quite a lot of the time you're not receiving as much or the same information as somebody else. So, Mm. for example, take the blind perspective, we don't get all of the cues that everyone else is getting. And so we might become defensive because we think someone's being horrible to us, but actually maybe they're just joking and we just didn't see the smile on their face, you know. So we have to keep that in mind, that there are just some things that we might be missing in this situation, just be really patient with that and allow ourselves to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Fern, we're tight on time. Well, what are your top takeaway lessons when it comes to defensiveness and anything else you want to cover off here before we go? Yeah, I think I would say just be really empathetic. Reassure the other person that you care about them. And that's why you want this conversation. You're not trying to make them feel bad. It's because you want things to be good between you because you care about this relationship and it's important to you. And also, I think the most important thing is remember that we all make mistakes and we're all wrong sometimes. And actually, it's really brave when you can say, do you know what? I was wrong. And, you know, and just admit to that. And I think the less we can make people feel that they're being attacked, the less they'll feel that they need to defend themselves. Do you have like one or two ways that we can do that without escalating in another person, their defensiveness, or if they are already being defensive, how can you bring that to the table? Yeah, I think you have to kind of not pass blame and not pass judgment. Listen to what they're saying and validate what they're saying. If they say something that you go, actually, that's true, and I've been there, I felt like that, agree with that, because that will sort of take down that feeling of I'm Mm. being invalidated, I'm being ignored. The more you can kind of foster the opposite of what we said, of that hostile environment, that loving, caring environment, the more they'll open up to you and they'll go, oh, okay, you're actually trying to help me and we actually do just want to get along and we like each other quite a lot, really, don't we? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Fern, it's wonderful that you talked about what you said here, what was written down here, and it was an absolutely, as usual, splendid conversation. It's so much there to take away. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm feeling so undefensive right now. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that's the way, you know, the, the disability advocate. We always have to feel, oh, we always do feel that we're an advocate. Yeah, take a rest. Thanks a lot. <laughs> that's the way the Burn. cookie crumbles. <laughs> it is. Especially if you only make one dozen a year, you got to treasure no those. Crumbling aloud. 
Uh, Fern Lullum joins us every other Thursday opposite What in the World right here on Kelly and Ramya. We've got the buzz after the break. Mark Phoenix is flipping, flipping. Mark Phoenix is filling in for Bill Shackleton, and he's going to tell us about how a woman can now officially keep her emo emotional support hens, but she still wants the city to change the backyard chicken rules. Mm, interesting stuff. We'll be back with that after the break. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.